In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Lord, on this first Sunday of Lent when we remember that you went into the wilderness for us on our behalf to be tested and tempted and tried and to pass that test in a way that we could not. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. And we thank you, as the words of the collect said, that you know our weakness, Lord. And in this season, Lord, we pray for the courage and the clarity to be honest about those things in us that are broken, honest about those things in us that are not aligned with you in your ways, uh, to come back to you, to be refreshed by you in a new way. And I pray, Lord, that as I preach your word, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So as I said, we are in the name of flexibility, mashing up Ash Wednesday and Lent one. So after the sermon, immediately after the sermon, we'll have the imposition of ashes and we'll confess again and we'll have a litany of confession. So we're gonna have double confession today. You gotta get it all in, right? It's Lent, so we gotta get it all in. Um, so don't be alarmed when we confess our sins again later on um, after the imposition of ashes. I wanna talk about um, this gospel passage as a way to talk about the idea of trial and testing. Um, of course, we have a picture here of a story here of Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, but the wilderness is not just the place of temptation, it's a place of trial and testing. And I hope that I can tease out the differences between those things and why um, in the season of Lent, we would say that we willingly follow Jesus into the 40 days of the wilderness. Um, we willingly follow him so that we might enter into a place of testing and trial as the church. Um, in the Ash Wednesday liturgy that I'll read later, there's this summons that says, the church invites you into the practice of a holy Lent. And part of practicing the holy Lent, from my perspective, is willingly entering into a place of testing and trial. Um, again, I don't want to ever lose sight of the fact that Jesus accomplishes something for us in the wilderness. He accomplishes something for us in those 40 days that we couldn't do ourselves. He passed a test that we would fail that we always fail. He passes the test that Adam failed and he passes the test that Israel failed in their own uh, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He, um, as the one who recapitulates all things to himself, does what God's people were not able to do beforehand. So I don't wanna gloss over any of that or to say that we are like Jesus and we will inevitably pass the test with flying colors in the way that he does. In fact, part of Lent is failing the test. Uh, part of fasting is being bad at fasting. Um, if you're good at fasting, I have some questions. Like if you're good at fasting food, I don't know. I mean, I think we're supposed to be bad at it. That's part of it. That's part of being tested. So we in Lent willingly follow Jesus into the wilderness. We willingly follow him into the place of trial and testing 
because that is what the wilderness is. Um, in the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses is speaking to the people of Israel, remember that he is speaking to the wilderness generation. He is speaking to the people who have endured those 40 years and the people who will go into the promised land. And he's giving his final um, word and testament to them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses explains what the wilderness was about. And this is what Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 says. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, and he humbled you. The wilderness was a place of testing for Israel. It's a place of testing for Jesus, and we, following him into the wilderness, enter into a place of testing. And what do I mean by testing? What do I mean by trying? And how is that different than temptation? Well, I think it is different than temptation. Um, and I think we had an example of testing this week. And I'm gonna use a personal example. Um, even though we had a grand statewide level of trial and testing, which is our grid was tested and tried and found to be very wanting. <laughs> As were the hot water pipes in my house which froze. Um, and so over the course of this week, I came to know parts of my house that I have never been in before, um, including the crawl space and uh, parts of the attic that I've never been into before. And I experienced this week a tale of two contractors. The people who worked on my kitchen and the job they did versus the people who worked on our bathroom and the job that they did. So our bathroom work, I crawled under our house, our pipes are insulated beautiful. So glad that guy did it. I didn't see him do it because it was under the house. But the guy who did our kitchen, no way. <laughs> and it was just dangling PVC pipe, stretching the whole length of my house, frozen solid. <laughs> that weakness was always there. That pipe was hanging like that the whole time that that renovation has been there, right? But this storm comes and it tests my house, and it shows that there's this point of weakness. That's what testing is. Testing is like when a car gets road tested and it's pushed to its limits so that you know what it can and cannot do. That's testing, that's trial. Like I said, for my house, the weakness was already there. It just took this crazy once in a generation storm to expose that weakness. Same thing for our grid trial and testing come to us and they push us and expose things that are in us. And that is why Lent is a season of penitence. Because we read the Ten Commandments and we're like, man, yikes. That's a tough list sometimes. Um, we confess our sins. We're going to read this litany of penitence later. If we take that litany of penitence seriously, none of us emerges unscathed from it. Um, we, if we will allow it, can be tested and tried. Uh, my friend Christopher Benson uh, shared a podcast with me. We were listening to it. Um, it's an interview with the author David Brooks. And it was about his book, The Second Mountain. And he used this phrase. He said, two, one of two things can happen when life gets hard. One is life can break you or life can break you open. And being broken open is this possibility of new life and new growth coming out of being broken open. 
When we enter the place of testing, we can be broken or we can be broken open. The wilderness is that place where God brings us into a place of trial, a place of testing, so that he can show us what's in our heart. And lest you think that that's some kind of uh, masochism, it's all over the Bible. Lent is a time when we enter willingly uh, into this place of testing, and we can even hear this in the Psalms, Psalm 26, verse 2. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. Those are two words, try me, test me. And famously, the end of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way within me and lead me into the way everlasting. That time of trial, that time of testing can bring out things that wouldn't have been brought out otherwise so that we can be broken open, so that we can then lift those things up to God and that he can knit them back together and that he can heal us. That is what Lent is about. It's not about being a spiritual superhero. It's not about showing off about how great you are at fasting or praying or almsgiving. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six when he talks about those three practices. And I wanna talk about them briefly the three practices um, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which are part of what the church invites us into when the church invites us into the practice of Holy Lent is a, a season of um, more focused and intense prayer, a season of fasting, and a season of almsgiving. And those are the things that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter six. He says, when you pray, when you fast, when you give alms. And I just wanna hit these things briefly because uh, we'll talk about them throughout the season. But prayer... Is, is so many things, but it's when um, one Orthodox theologian describes it as the, when the head comes into the heart in the presence of God, that's what prayer is. Um, or prayer can be the lifting of the heart and the mind to the presence of God, which means, uh, this is one thing that the prayer book, um, what's it called, Catechism, says is that prayer can be with or without words. Um, and when Paul talks about praying without ceasing, there are whole monastic communities that are dedicated to that, to that idea that your very breath and action and the way that you live could be prayer because you're doing it in the presence of God. So, of course, we mean formally uh, written prayers, spontaneous prayers. We mean uh, intercession. We mean all of those things. Um, so prayer is a big topic, um, and maybe you don't know where to get started. So we actually made a little prayer card for Lent and we have a few of these in the back. And there's, for those of you watching online, um, there's a, there will be a PDF of this as well. This is just a shortened version of morning prayer. It has a short confession. It has a place for you to read whatever scriptures you're reading. And then it has a time for intercession, Lord's Prayer. But I wanna draw attention to these two things, these collects at the bottom. Um, and as you think about praying in Lent, um, two things in particular to pray for. One is interceding for um, those people who are on the front lines of this ongoing pandemic. There's a line in this prayer that says, give strength and skill to all those who minister to the sick. Um, and it prays for God's mercy in the midst of a time of great sickness and mortality. I would invite you into a season of intercession during this 40 days, a season of intercession for our church, because uh, obviously we're going through our own time of transition um, and a season of intercession for our country and our state and all of that. Um, and then also we have the collect for mission in here. And I would also encourage you 
to pray this, if you can, daily, this prayer for mission, this idea of Jesus opening up his arms of love on the hardwood of the cross, his act of hospitality and inviting the world to know him and to love him and to worship him. Um, Intercession for us and a call to mission for us because I think in a time of transition, it can kind of be easy for us to look inward and not look outward. And I want us to keep both those things in mind. Yes, there's things that we need to do as we uh, transition to an interim rector in the next few weeks, but we also need to keep the mission in front of us. So under the discipline of prayer, um, there's so many things that you could do. You could practice solitude. Um, If you want some ideas on that, I'm happy to talk to you about different prayer practices, maybe the Jesus prayer, maybe simply I'm just gonna say the Lord's prayer every day. Um, There's so many ways that you can tackle the, the discipline of prayer, but here's just a simple one, and we wanted to make it a size where you could just stick it in your Bible And it would take a couple minutes to do, and you can um, integrate it with whatever devotional practice you do. So these are in the back. So that's prayer. And then second, we have fasting. Fasting is uh, hard. I just already said that. (laughs) Um, And it's meant to be because we are saying no to ourselves in order to say yes to God. That's what fasting is about. Um, And part of fasting is, yes, uh, maybe having a particular meal during the week that you're fasting and then devoting to prayer or uh, fasting from a particular category of food, like not eating meat on Fridays or not eating meat uh, for the entire season of Lent. Some people do that. Um, But we also, as moderns, can fast from all sorts of other things that we have appetites for. Um, And this might end up being difficult for some of us, and maybe those are the things that we should pay attention to. Um, Those things in our life that we use as noise, I would say. Um, Fasting is saying no to ourselves so that we can say yes to God, but fasting is also turning down the noise in our lives so that there's space for us to hear God. We sang it earlier, you know, be still and know that I am God. Well, if we're not still, if we're not quiet, if we don't have any space of silence in our lives, then we can't have that experience of being still and knowing that we're God. So, you know, some people will fast from social media or um, television or different things. I'm not going to prescribe anything on this front. I would just encourage you to ask God, where's the noise in my life? <laughs> what is it that I need to turn down right now? What is, what is it in my life that I might need to say no to in order to say yes to you? And then third, almsgiving or uh, caring for the poor. Um, The other thing that we didn't get to last week was our first session of public theology, which means that we haven't talked about this book yet, On Social Justice by St. Basil the Great. So we're going to take the next three months to talk about this. But I mentioned this book in the context of almsgiving because that is what Basil is talking about. He's talking about how do you live a life in such a way so that you have enough to share with others. Um, How do you simplify your life in such a way that you have Um, you're not just running on fumes in every area of your life, whether financially or with time and things like that. Um, How can you, the phrase from the introduction is, simplify your life so that you can have something to share with others. Um, Maybe reading this book, I have some copies of a book that we did a study on last week, or last um, fall called Practicing the King's Economy. That's what that book's about. That book talks about uh, the practice of gleaning. In the Old Testament, when you would harvest your field, you would leave the edges so that people who didn't have could have, that they could 
gleaned from your fields. I think the practice of gleaning of where is where can I leave extra in my life, extra time, extra resources, extra food, so that others who don't have as much can share. So that's the practice of almsgiving. And I would say again that these are practices for the wilderness, that when we follow Jesus into the wilderness, into the time of testing and trial, that God gives us these tools, these um, practices that, that can become a means by which he leads us through the trial or they're actually the trial themselves because <laughs> fasting can be kind of a trial, especially if you uh, get grumpy when your blood sugar drops. It can be a real trial for you and your family. Um, so be wary of that. Um, so we follow Jesus into the wilderness in Lent. We ask God to try us and test us to show us if there's any way within us. We ask God to break open our hearts um, so that we might offer those things up to God in repentance, um, to experience uh, mercy instead of judgment. And with all of that in mind, I just want to end by briefly talking about traps of Lent, <laughs> ways that Lent can go wrong. Um, because when we start listing these practices and we say invite you into a practice of following Lent and all that, it can, it can actually become a loop and it can actually become about yourself instead of about God and the community and the church. Um, and this is something that Jesus points out when he talks about these practices. He says, when you give, don't be like the people who trumpet up how generous they are. Don't let you, your right hand know what your left hand is doing. When you fast, don't do it in a way where you're showing off to people. When you pray, don't go into the marketplace to be recognized by others. And Jesus is a genius of the human heart. He understands that we can have all sorts of motivations for the things that we do, even spiritual practices, and that spiritual practices can go off the rails and become about us instead of God. So Jesus reminds us, do these things for the sake of knowing and loving your gracious Father who wants to meet you in the context of prayer, who wants to meet you in the context of fasting, who wants to meet you in the context of almsgiving. The prophet Joel says something similar when he calls Israel to repentance and fasting. He says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Well, in ancient Israel, tearing your garment was a sign of penitence, a sign of mourning, a sign of grieving for one's sins. And Joel's saying, yeah, maybe you can rip your garment all the way down to your navel, but that doesn't mean that you're actually rending your heart because that's the place of repentance. That's the place where God wants to meet you. That's the place where God wants to break us open so that we can lift those things up to him and that he might heal them. So that's, that's one way that Lent can go wrong. Another way, and I think it's related, is forgetting who it is we're following into the wilderness. That Jesus is the one who goes before us in all things. He's the one who's already gone toe-to-toe with Satan. He's the one who's already passed the test. He's the one who is faithful and true, the merciful high priest. He's the one who tells Satan in in Matthew's telling of the temptations, hey, why don't you eat some bread? You must be hungry. And he goes back to that same passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that I read at the beginning and says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, we're not going into the wilderness for our sake. We're going because he's gone before us and he's inviting us. And the church in this season invites us into that practice so that 
the Lord can break us open so that the Lord can show us the wayward ways within us and so that he might heal them. But we can never lose sight of Jesus as the one who endures the trial for us. Jesus as the one who is tested and tried and is not found to be wanting. He's the one who passes the test. And the writer of the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter four draws attention to this and says he is a sympathetic and merciful high priest who was tried and tested in every way that we were and yet was without sin. Therefore, what do we do? White knuckle it? No, we boldly approach the throne of grace. So don't let Lent get off the rails where it becomes self-referential of like, well, I was great at fasting today, but on Wednesday I was terrible. Or, oh man, I'm really bad at giving this thing up. Or I forgot to do the prayer card and Chris made a big deal about the prayer card and I didn't even pick one up. That's making Lent about us. That's making Lent about how we're doing. And yes, there is a part of self-examination and that's a huge important part, but it's all meant to be a way to turn things down so that we can hear the Lord. It's meant to open up our eyes so that we can see him and so that we can follow him more closely. So keep all of that in mind as we move into this time where we're imposing the ashes and where I read these words and I invite you on behalf of the church into the practice of a holy Lent. And before we get into that, I just wanna take a minute to be still, to pray, and to give you a chance to ask God. Maybe you've already decided what you're gonna do for Lent. Maybe you decided you're not gonna do anything for Lent. That's great. Um, But I know the week I had, and I kind of forgot to think about (laughs) what I was supposed to do for Lent because I was crawling under my house and trying to stay warm and all that sort of stuff. So let's take a moment now and let's pray and quiet ourselves. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who always passes the test. And Lord, we want to become those um, whose hearts are broken open so that they might be knit together. We want to become those um, who offer up those things in us that are wayward. And Lord, we ask you in your mercy to show us those things. Um, Lord, we just take a moment of silence and we ask you, what would you have us do for Lent as individuals? Lord, what are you asking of us? Are you calling us to a practice of prayer? Lord, what might you ask us to to give up, to fast from? Where is there noise in our life that we need to turn down? Lord, where in our lives can we simplify things so that we have time and space and resources for others? Lord, we ask that in your grace, in your gentleness, in your mercy, you would speak to each of us and show us how you're leading us in this season of Lent. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.